Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. Talk radio to thrive by. Powerful, inspiring, and coming to you live, bringing you stories of people like you and me, busting through and living life full out. Get ready to dare to wonder what your life would be like if you knew you could not fail. Welcome, everyone. Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. This is Talk Radio to Thrive By. What a great lineup we've got for you. We're going to kick it off by uh, having Dr. Rick Hansen join us here today, talk about Buddha's brain, the practical neuroscience of happiness, love, and wisdom. And then Mary Jane Mack will join us. Wow. Let me just tell you a little bit about Rick, because I want to get right into the conversation and the book, Buddha's Brain. You know, first of all, Rick uh, Hansen is a neuropsychologist, and we'll find out what that means. But the bottom line is, you know, this is somebody that is here to help us understand the workings of the brain and, and all the little things that get connected. And what happens when we connect stuff that's not serving a purpose that we want to have? But even beyond that, you know, what is it that we can come to? To know, to love, and to master. I mean, is it really true that we can have this practical neuroscience, this happiness, love, wisdom? You know, what is it that we can have about this? What is it that Jesus, Moses, and Buddha, and other great teachers had in common? And was it only for them? Well, that's why Dr. Rick Hansen is joining us here today. I want to make sure right out of the gate you have his website, which is www.wisebrain.org. But we have got a lot to talk with him about. Rick, thank you for joining us here today. Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. Thank you so much. I want a Buddha brain. Can I have it? Yes. Okay, yay! Well, that's the short answer. Okay, now, uh, they say in these contracts, right, the devil's in the details, as yeah. it were, right? Well, I, you got to lo- earn it. I I love that the answer was yes, though, because we can have a conversation based on that. You know, and the reason that I ask that question is whether it's a Buddha brain or whether it's some other brain, the point is we're in search to have a certain uh, life. You know what I'm saying? And we struggle sometimes wondering why we don't have it. And that's why I'm excited to talk about you in the book. Let's talk about Buddha's brain and talk about, you know, the components of psychology and neurology and whatever else you want to talk about. But in the context of what does this mean in our everyday world? Sure. Well, the basic idea is that um, what we experience, you know, which we, what we care about is what we experience. Uh-huh. In other words, what do we feel moment to moment? Are we happy? Are we sad? Are we, how do we act also? Are we uh, effective? Uh, are we you know, skillful with other people, or frankly, are we a grump or a jerk? That's what we really care about. The bottom line on all of that is the brain. The brain is what makes all of that happen. And for, you know, thousands of years, people vaguely understood that the brain was, you know, the bottom line, the ground zero, but it was a complete mystery. But now, the last 10, 20 years with neuroscience, even the last six months, there are all these new breakthroughs that really explain the deep wiring, if you will, the circuitry of the brain. So with skillfulness, you can gradually reprogram it yourself over time. You know, I I love what we're talking about here today. I just have to tell you, because, you know, in reading your book and in in looking at the work that you do, it's really kind of cool to be able to look back at one's life and know, okay, that's the way I was then. This is the way I am now. And this is the way I can be, because the way you've broken this down, you know, is so encouraging for so many of us that have been stuck, Rick. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's 
it's really great, honestly, to feel like you can do simple little things, which is what I really tried to focus on. I mean, I'm a neuroscience guy, and I'm a contemplative teacher, and, you know, so I, I could get airy-fairy with the best of them, but I didn't want to do that. I really wanted to break it down and get practical and simple for stuff people could do right in the middle of their, you know, crazy busy life. And what's great is to feel that at a time when so many of us feel pushed around by the economy, the stock market, foreign wars, layoffs, unemployment, or what our teenagers are doing with their latest piercing in their nose, whatever it is, you know, that instead of feeling pushed around by stuff, you can actually be a cue ball instead of an eight ball, if you will, inside your own brain. In other words, that you can be at cause there rather than at effect. You can make things happen inside your own head. They're not going to give you a personality transformation overnight. You know what I mean? If you're a shy person, you're not going to suddenly become Jay Leno or somebody. But on the other hand, over time, you can really make some skips, some shifts. And what helps you do that is to have a sense of skillfulness. In other words, that you know what you're focusing on. And that's what the new science has given us, particularly informed by the, you could say, uh, Olympic athletes of mental training, mm. the people that you know, have been contemplative practitioners in all the world's traditions, not just Buddhism, uh, but in all the world's traditions. Those folks you know, are now increasingly studied, and we're really understanding what they're doing inside their own brain mm. that are giving them such wonderful levels of inner peace and yet also high levels of worldly effectiveness. I want to ask you, and I know this is a question you get asked a lot, but I really have to talk to you about it. Um, you know, in the book, you talk about when your mind changes, your brain changes. And it's kind of interesting to have mind and brain in the same sentence. It's almost like some, there are some people of the school of thought that mind and brain are not the same. And, you know, yet at the same time, the average person, you know, people like, you know, me or the listeners really don't know the difference. We, we kind of use things interchangeably. You know, we don't have, you know, a doctorate in neuroscience, yeah. but yet there's a very intuitive nature. I wanted to ask you to talk about the interrelationship, how this is coming to the forefront now, and does any of this have to do anything with spirituality? Well, you hit a home run question there. Um Right at the heart of a lot of controversies and, and fascinating questions. So I would say the cut-to-the-chase answer is that um, the mind could be thought of as the flow of information through the nervous system. The in- nervous system moves information around like the heart moves blood around. And most of that information is forever outside of awareness. The information that we're aware of is what we're hearing right now, what we're seeing right now, what we're thinking or feeling, our attitudes right now. Um, our hopes, our dreams, our fears, all that is, in effect, information. It's like software, and the nervous system is like the hardware. The thing is, the way the brain works is different from a computer. In other words, if you uh, move different information through your computer, it doesn't change your hardware unless you tell your computer to save that file, mm-hmm. right? Right. Um, in that sense, the information is changing the hardware. The way the nervous system works, which is quite extraordinary, and still just beginning to be understood, is that the flow of thought or other forms of mental activity, in other words, the flow of information coursing through the nervous system, leaves lasting traces behind. Like the you know rain on a hillside um, will leave gradually traces behind in the form of little gullies. You know that over time will become you know the Grand Canyon. And so the point here is that. The, what seems like this airy-fairy, immaterial stuff of thought mm-hmm. actually leaves changes behind in your own brain. And for me, the takeaway on that, there are a couple of takeaways. Okay. One 
is to treat your own thoughts with much more respect. In other words, all kinds of people indulge all kinds of inner thoughts uh, that are very bad for them. And if, you know, um, how can I put it, if uh, somebody out there was talking to their friend or their child uh, the way they talk to themselves, they would start yelling at them because it would be so unfair or so over the top, so overblown. Yet people will casually, you know, just keep running all kinds of mental tapes that leave lasting neural tissue structural changes behind. So number one, what you experience really, really matters. And it's important to kind of, you know, make effort over time. You can't mm-hmm. change what you think about overnight, but over time you can nudge it in a different direction. And that's the second takeaway, that with, with some skillfulness and with some sustained effort, like I said earlier, you got to earn it. you got to earn a Buddhist brain. you got to mm-hmm. earn, you know, the brain of a really happy, really high-functioning person. But you can earn it. That's the point. You can do this over time inside your own head. You know, Dr. Hansen, I've got to ask you a question because I get asked this question a lot. You know, I get asked the question, man, like, you know, how did you get to be so upbeat and, you know, your show is so positive and, you know, have you always been like that? And, you know, I haven't really thought about it. People used to call me like a really dark child, you know what I'm saying? Almost like goth-like. But I wanted to ask you the same question because I'm, I'm, I, I, first of all, I love the book. I love the way you're presenting this. I love the opportunity for all of us to really think about having that Buddha-like brain. You know, what is it about your own personal life that led you on this path? I mean, did you have challenges that you had to move beyond? Uh, or was it the natural evolution of who you wanted to become? I'm curious. Oh, thank you. Well, I was a quiet kid, very observant. Um I have a late birthday, October, you know, late late birthday. I won't say my birthday on the air, but and I also skipped a grade. So I was very young going through school, mm-hmm. which was great in a lot of ways. But in other ways, it led to a certain shyness and, and detachment. And I would observe people in my family and also in the, you know, my classes and just people in general. And I, I had this haunting sense as a really young child that people could be so much happier than they were on the average, mm-hmm. me included. And so I got very interested in what makes a difference really, not in a lofty sense, but right down here in the trenches. What makes a difference really in how people can be happy? So I've always been studying that. I've been involved in human potential, mental health. I was a business consultant for quite some time. And then I got increasingly interested in the brain because it's ground zero mm-hmm. for changes. I've also been a serious spiritual practitioner. Yeah. A separate subject. But when you weave those together, in other words, if you can bring together the wisdom of Western psychology, Mm. which is very deep at this point, combine that with breakthroughs in modern neuroscience, Mm. and then combine that, illuminate that, with thousands of years of hardcore contemplative practice and serious effort. I mean, those people have made serious effort. Absolutely. When we come back, we're going to be talking with Dr. Rick Hansen about the five C's. How can we stop being driven by stress? Boy, I want some of that. Buddha. Did Buddha have stress? I don't think so. We'll be right back with the Dr. Pat Show. You- 
you heard about it last year. You even thought about entering, but didn't. Now, life is giving you a second chance, announcing your second chance to change from the inside out with Dr. Pat's 2010 Holistic Makeover. So get on board. Winners will embark on a journey to make powerful change with the help and support of an entire team of coaches. Want to be a winner? Fill out the survey and tell your inspired story and how you plan to pay it forward. Go to drpatsmakeover.com. That's drpatsmakeover.com. So how many times have you said, I need to quit smoking? And how many times have you tried to quit smoking only to fail? How many times a day are you smoking and wishing you weren't? This is Cheryl Manchester from Positive Changes Hypnosis, where we help you to become smoke-free for life. Take on the habits of a non-smoker, not an ex-smoker. Our clients tell us they simply lose the desire for the cigarette. Become stress-free and relaxed. Lose or maintain weight at the same time and effortlessly take back control. Andy Castle quit his 15-year smoking habit and has been smoke-free for over a year. Jane Penrod quit smoking after smoking three packs a day for 50 years. Yes, it works. Make a lasting change in your life. Call Positive Changes in Bellevue at 888-311-7157 to schedule a free consultation. That number again is 888-311-7157. Are you in constant pain and tired of taking pain pills? At Holistique Medical Center, our physicians listen, examine, and find the root cause of your pain. Comprehensive, non-invasive, scientific, and energy-based natural therapies do exist to treat your pain and its root cause. Contact Holistique Medical Center to transform your life. Call 425-451-0404 or on the web at drdarvish.com. That's D-R-D-A-R-V-I-S-H.com. How would you like increased health and vitality? Would you like relief from acute or chronic health issues? How would you like to avoid the onset of disease as well as slow the aging process? Would you like relief from allergy, weight, and digestive issues? This is all possible through a simple, safe, and natural technique. Whether you seek relief from health issues or desire to live at your optimum health and vitality, contact reflex analysis is a profound method which detects imbalances at a subclinical level, restoring health issues before they arise while increasing vitality and longevity. Discover CRA. Hi, I'm Mary Jane Mack. Every day we're moving toward wellness or away from wellness. I'd like to be your partner in achieving your optimal health and well-being. Contact me now at maryjanemack.com or call 425-392-0659. Visit maryjanemack.com. Disco body on today. Little shake in the disco here. Welcome back, everyone, to the Dr. Pat Show. Hey, for more information about us, go to www.thedrpatshow.com, T H E D R, patshow.com, or simply go to drpatlive.com, which is easier to remember, I think. But at the same time, drpatlive.com! T- yeah. That's Mr. Radio Voice. Do it again. Is that what you want? Do it again. <laughs> drpatlive.com! 
we're going to pull that out and clip that. I, I, That's you a don't keeper. need to pull anything. I can just do it over. We got to do over a little again. reverberation. Joining us here Reverb. today. <laughs> joining us here today. Wow, great book, Buddha's Brain. Dr. Rick Hansen joining us, and we're talking about what does it mean to have a Buddha brain, but more importantly, you know. Uh, where can you get one? So we're addressing that and much more. We're going to talk about the, the five C's here. Uh, Dr. Hansen, let's stop for a minute and give out your website and make sure everybody has that information, knows how to find out more about you and how to get a copy of the book. Well, thank you. Rick Hansen, S-O-N, dot net, rickhansen.net. And that's where there's a lot of information as well as a ton of free resources. I'm really into giving you know, information away. Um, the other thing is that on the website, I just started doing this newsletter called Just One Thing. And uh, the idea is that every week you get a free newsletter. It's not commercial, and mm. I keep your email address you know, very private. And um, what it does is it lists a simple practice a person can do that week to just kind of keep focused on it. Just one thing. You know what I mean? I love like, that. This week is Be Glad. The previous week was uh, Take Pleasure. The week before that was Be On Your Own Side. Those are simple things that people can bring to mind, you know, at the end of the day or a few times over the course of the day, that if they do, it will truly gradually change their brain to change their life. I love it. And, you know, it's funny you mentioned about be glad because we had that little we had a little thing in the office this week where we set our intention and being glad and slash uh, grateful, glad and grateful is what we kind of put together. The whole glad and grateful component of that uh and let's so let's talk about the five c's okay let's talk about that whether or not you know those of you out there are happy with the election results or not we're going to talk about the five c's all right yeah stop Uh, being driven by stress there you go well it gets back to you know way a comment you said earlier or a question really about you know what's the spiritual part here and Mm. let me kind of edge my way into that one all right the five c's Throughout history, there's been a lot of controversy. What is our deepest nature? In other words, are we basically good as a species, human beings, or are we basically nasty and evil? Um, you know, was the Holocaust an anomaly, or was it mm-hmm. you know, deep in our bones? Uh, is uh, Mother Teresa an anomaly, or is she who we are all deep down, for mm-hmm. example? Wow. That's a big question, isn't it? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, and what's interesting is that the science on this is gradually clarifying. So in my own way, I summarize it as the five C's that these are our natural state of being. This is our home base uh, given to us through evolution and embedded in our own biology and our brain. It may also be informed by a spiritual element. I'm a spiritual person, but I'm not really going to kind of go there very much on Mm -hmm. this call for Mm -hmm. this interview. But inside just simply what science tells us, number one, we're conscious. You've got to work really hard to make the brain unconscious. You have to hit it really hard or you have to drug it really skillfully. Even in our dreams, we're very conscious. You have to literally anesthetize the motor circuits of the brain to stop people from getting up and walking around the room when they're dreaming. That's one. We're conscious. Two, we're uh, calm. Our, our resting state is what's called parasympathetic activation, where we're basically in a mellow, kind of calm, even-keeled, sort of peaceful state. Third, we're contented. The resting state for most people, when they're not in pain, when they're not threatened, when they're not hungry, or if they're not biochemically disturbed, as sometimes happens with people who are depressed, mm-hmm. they move to a mild sense of contentment and happiness. That's our basic nature. Fourth, we're caring. We evolved in hunter-gatherer groups, and our ancestors were monkeys and apes and so forth, who also evolved together in primate groups. Mm-hmm. And um, the result of that is a very ethic, loving nature. We're cooperatively altruistic toward the people we care about. That's the caring. 
And last, we're creative. People are naturally generative. They want to foster what's good. They might do it in terms of cooking, you know, and getting better at making spaghetti sauce or, you know, going and doing some community service or writing a poem or starting a business, even being an entrepreneur. They're generative. And that's the fifth thing. So that's our home base. But the problem is evolution has given us a hair trigger. Mm -hmm. drives us from home at the drop of a threatening hat. And that's when that happens. Forget calm. We stay conscious, but forget calm, you know, forget caring, forget right. contented. Uh, you know, we just, we focus on those threats, which activates all the stress machinery in the body, just like you were saying in the very beginning here. Stress is a departure from home base. In other words, events can happen that we can deal with in a relatively centered and calm and creative and even caring way, and we don't have to get sucked into the undertow we don't have to get hijacked mm -hmm. by stress reactions. And that's for mental training, including the training of the Buddha or other people. I mean, I think about Tiger Woods dealing with stress right. or, you know, presidents dealing with stress under mm -hmm. difficult circumstances. I mean, or other people in life that we know, coaches, athletes, whatever, performers of any kind. You, doing what you do, <laughs> would be very stressful for most people. But yet you handle it. You know what I mean? So the point is we can train the mind, which means changing the brain, to handle um, external factors better so we stay grounded in our natural home base. Mm. I love that, Doctor. Doctor Rick, I got to ask you this question because you know I think about the Buddha brain, right? Uh, and uh, so, did 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 the Buddha brain? Did Buddha have negative uh, experience? No, negative thoughts. I want to talk about this whole thing between negative and positive thoughts. It's so easy to call back the time that. He left me. Right. He left me here all by myself. It's so easy to call that back. And then some people say, hey, what was the best thing you did today? And you're like, what? What is go up with positive and negative thoughts, so to right. speak? Right. Um, well, let's see. So, you know, the historical Siddhartha or the, mm. you know, the Buddha lived 2,500 years ago. Mm -hmm. No one knows for exactly sure, uh, you know, any of the details that said. There, was, there is a very rich record of his own journey as a human being. He never presented himself as a god or anybody like that. He was a, you know, he was a human being who progressed and, uh, on his own path and really used his mind to change his brain and you know, the rest of history, as they say. On his journey, without a doubt, he described uh, negative mental states. Uh, on the, the traditional story of the night of his own awakening is that he was besieged with self-doubt and with other, you know, negative mental afflictions. But on the other side, and then also I should say, most of us are not going to turn a corner in this lifetime at least to where we are permanently free from negative mental states. Mm -hmm. I think the possibility of that is very real, and I think in every generation there are a handful of people who clearly are on the other side of that. In mm -hmm. their mind, you know, that no thoughts of greed, hatred, or delusion ever arise. Um, and I mean, greed, hatred, and delusion very, mm -hmm. very broadly. Got it. Uh, here, including even in the mildest, most subtlest form. But those people are very rare. But for most of us, as we proceed on our own path of self-development and learning and training, changing our minds, changing our brain, we can get increasingly free of those. So that if they arise, they arise more mildly. Or if they do arise, they pass away more quickly. That said, the classic formulation, I'll read this little thing to you, you know, the, the person who's fully developed, I'm paraphrasing something from Buddhist teaching, the person who's fully developed 
um, has a heart that's been led away from pain, tranquil, he or she rests with utmost ease, the mind has found its way to peace. In other words, to me, what that means is the mind has found its way irrevocably, unalterably, unconditionally to that, hand, to that home base of the five species that is our true nature. I love what you have to say. The book is actually brilliant in that way. Uh, we all battle with the demons within. And, you know, if we go back and we look at spiritual, spiritual teachers from way back, how far back you want to go, there's always been this light and dark side. You know, what purpose does the dark side serve us? That's a wonderful question. Um, well, first, I think it's important to understand that there's a place for so-called negative emotions. In other words, um, the winds of healthy remorse, uh, anxiety that alerts us to threats out there, um, anger at injustice. Uh, those sorts of things, you know, sorrow at the loss of a loved one, those are absolutely important. You know, the saying goes, you know, uh, sorrow tenderizes the heart. Mm. Um, so there's a place for that. Um, they guide us. But the problem is, because of the line, you know, I use in the book, the brain's like Velcro for mm. negative experiences, right. Teflon for positive ones. The problem is, go, you know, walk down any busy street, look at the face of the crowd. Do you think there's any shortage of negative feelings in this world? Mm. No, obviously. If anything... We're, we're trapped like flies on a strip, you know, uh, one of those sticky, gluey things, where we get glued to negative mental states. And the result of that is not good for us, it's not good for our physical health, it's not good for our well-being, and it's really not good for our relationships with other people. Because when we're glued to those negative mental states or emotions of anxiety or, or self-doubt or, or sorrow or, or anger, you know, including mild versions mm. of that, we're not that good to live with. We're not no. that good to work with, and we're less able to make our contribution in the world because we're stuck to the flypaper. Yeah. So to me, what's really great is to develop, use a fancy word, a technology that's grounded in science, that's informed by contemplative wisdom, hardcore, hard-won contemplative wisdom, mm-hmm. a technology by which you can slowly pry your feet and hands off of the flypaper and fly away and gradually improve your ability the next time you're stuck to the paper to get off that paper much more quickly, ultimately not to get stuck to that paper at all. Wow. I love that, Dr. Rick. Thank <laughs> you for a great That's show. That's what people can do. I'm going to pump up my Buddha brain muscle right now. What a great show. Thank you, Dr. Rick, Thank for joining you. us here today. I want to make sure everybody knows that the book is called Buddha's Brain, The Practical Neuroscience of Happiness, Love, and Wisdom. Dr. Rick Hansen joining us here today. Let's take a short break. We'll be right back with more of the Dr. Pat Show. 